Hello, everybody. Welcome to podcast 91 from Football Adania, available on YouTube, SoundCloud and iTunes. We're going to have a, a bit of a Euro preview this time around. There's five big fixtures for Dutch clubs in Europe coming up, including PSV Monaco, Kluge against RZ, Feyenoord against German side Union Berlin, and two games which we're going to focus on in this podcast. Vitesse against Spurs and Ajax against Dortmund. It's brilliant to have so many Dutch teams playing European games and against such great opposition. Um, if you enjoy our podcast, make sure you do leave a like and let us know what you're thinking. Give us your predictions for some of these games this week. Comment below and let us know. And of course, subscribe if you're new to what we do at Football Adania. We are Dutch football in the English language. This is our first podcast since we won an award at the Football Content Awards. We're absolutely delighted. If you didn't know, we haven't seen our social media platforms. We won bronze for Best Club Content Creator International. We're obviously really pleased about it. We want to keep delivering. So without further ado, I've got Ricky here, who's a guest from Last Word on Spurs. Ricky, how are you? Tell us about yourself. Yeah, not bad, not bad at all. Thank you. Well, um, that's I'm, I'm the host and creator of Last Word on Spurs. We've been going for the last all five, six years. Um, we've had some highs, certainly had some lows. <laughs> Feels like a low at the moment. Um, I think I want to be talking to you, Michael, doing a Europa Conference League preview. To be honest with you, I hope it was a Champions League. Um, but such is life as a Spurs fan right now. It's tough times, but we're riding for it. And hopefully we'll get back to the promised land in the near future. <laughs> Wherever that near future may be, who knows? On the other hand, Vitesse are looking at this thinking, wow, brilliant, we're in, we're in yeah. Europe. And the Europa Conference League is a brilliant opportunity. And course, Spurs are yeah. one of the favourites of the whole tournament coming into it. So yeah. my first question, I guess, is how does Spurs view this competition? I noticed that there's a lot of fringe players playing in them so in these games so far. Coming to the Netherlands, what kind of team's going to come out? Joe, you know Mike, it's very it's very hard to give a prediction about with Spurs in the Europa Conference because, like you said, there it's been a real uh, mixture of selections. I mean, I think to be fair, Nuno has tried to still find his best team at Spurs to some degree. I would say at the moment that he's still, for me, he's probably, he probably knows nine of the 11 players that he'd want to field on a week-to-week -week basis. And therefore, that Europa Conference League is more to kind of give the rest of the squad game time where they feel necessary to keep everybody involved and integrated. I think what's hard is Spurs have still got quite a bloated squad. And therefore, I think it's hard to keep everybody happy in the camp when they're not playing. And that's why that Europa Conference League, in a way, does provide a platform to give game times, the likes of uh, the likes of Harry Winks, Matt Doherty, players that haven't necessarily been involved that much this season, the likes of players coming through, the likes of Dane Scarlett, I'd say, you know, a player that is very, very exciting. We've got some really young lads also coming through that will thrive, I think, using this competition. The likes of Dylan Markande, you know, some really, really good promising youngsters Spurs are bringing through. There's obviously Pierluigi Gallini as well, Spurs signed on yeah. from Atlanta that will need to play a certain amount of games before they can trigger um, his contract in order to take him on a permanent deal. So I think just in terms of the competition, Spurs will use it as more of a development tool. I think once we get to the latter stages, if Spurs do get there without any hiccups, um, then it will be obviously seen a lot more seriously because a club like Spurs, I don't want to bore your listeners, uh, but obviously we haven't won trophies for a very, very long time. I'm not going to say how long because I don't want to depress myself, but um, Spurs <laughs> are a club that really do need to be competing. You know, It's a club that was only two or three years ago in a Champions League final and the decline is just such a hard thing to really take and bear. We've had Pochettino, we've had Jose Mourinho, Nuno Espirito Santo to some degree is going to be interesting to see how he does um, put a, a footprint on the team this season. I think it's fair to say that the jury is still very much out at the moment. Obviously, he's come from Wolves, a club that he's built up very well, become an established Premier League team, got them into the Europa League, you know, on more than one occasion. So, I mean, listen, he's done well at that level. I think a club like Tottenham, where 
I think supporters see where we want to be in terms of playing in the Champions League and competing for the top four in the Premier League. I think there's a lot of work to do to get Spurs back to where we believe they should be. So in terms of this Europa Conference League as a competition, I think they'll be using that as like I said, a development tool to try and blood through youngsters to try and give players a chance. And then in the latter stages, I think Spurs will take it seriously just due to the lack of trophies the club have had in recent years. And being pretty honest about it, when you look at what Spurs can win, I think we've got to be realistic. As much as I'd love to sit and say they can win the Premier League, I think it's, I think it's unrealistic to say that. Um, FA Cup and League Cup are two competitions where Spurs should be, I think, looking at those competitions and really trying to you know, compete in them trying to win those trophies. And then, of course, the Europa Conference League, um, to me, is very important. I know people laugh at that competition because it is Europe's, what, third, fourth tier. But having, having said that, you know, you've got to look at the teams that are in there. And you said it might be in the intro there, you know, Spurs, we are one of the favourites. So being one of the favourites, I think that's because Spurs generally as a club feel they should be able to win this competition. And you look at the teams that are in there, no disrespect to the likes of Vitesse and our group in general, the likes of Ennis Mora, um, these are teams that Spurs should be beating comfortably. Even even their second string, and when I say second string, I mean Spurs' alternative 11, I still yeah. feel enough to get a result. So, having said that, you know, I really think Spurs, in terms of this competition, um, they should be progressing quite far in it. Yeah. Your first point there, you said about the group, that you think that the team you've got, even though it's not the best players, mm. should be enough to get through this group. That's interesting to hear. Coming to Arnhem, I think that's going to fuel the test even more, knowing that Spurs have come come there with different players, thinking they can win the game. Um, I will touch touch upon the test, of course, in a moment. Uh, and yeah, this is a side that got so far in the Champions League before and, and played Ajax. The Dutch football fans are listening to this, not just the test and Ajax of interested people. And they'll remember that game. They'll remember how good Spurs were, but also how close Ajax were to get into that final and, and how agonising it was. And Spurs have I guess falling away and the, the fact that they're in this competition now uh, is a fall from grace. Yeah. But yeah, this is a great opportunity to win to win the win a competition. I think teams such as Feyenoord, uh, a little bit stronger than teams such as Vitesse, would also look at this competition if they can get through. It's an opportunity to win a trophy of a club that's just Feyenoord's level, not Tottenham's level. So you, you can see the opposition you have. We'll have to wait and see who drops down from the Europa League too. Um, but, but a great point. And one of the players... Uh, who will interest Dutch football listeners here, Stephen Berkwein. Before we get onto the test, I want to touch upon him. He hasn't been impressing enough to, to really get into the Netherlands fold, whereas before he was. Is this a game that you expect him to play in? And, and how is he getting on with Tottenham this season? To answer your question, I, from my understanding, Bergwijn is now um, in the latter process of becoming a player that can be available to Tottenham to select. I would think... If there's a chance he can play, I think they may give him minutes just to kind of, again, breed him in in terms of game time. Um, as an overall player, when he first came to the club, I was really, really impressed by him. You know, I think he showed uh, he's got great athletic, great athleticism, um, he's got decent pace, good quality. I think the end product with Stephen is the only thing at the moment I'd probably say he needs to work on. Um, it's hard because I think a lot of players go through this process that when you have Jose Mourinho as your head coach, I feel like he shackles you. And <laughs> he ends up in a way, in terms of putting him into like almost an inverted fullback. And, you know, it's hard because when I'm watching Bergwijn at times, um, there was almost this willingness of Spurs fans to see him get past the halfway line. Under Jose, this wasn't happening. And he just ended up, as a player, I think he just, 
his, his development just was really, really tailing off. And you just almost were questioning, you know, what's happened to this guy? Such confidence for me to get forward, to beat a player. I mean, we've seen the couple of goals he did score. There's one he scored just after Project Restart against Manchester United. Ironically, with Mourinho in charge, it was a fantastic finish. And obviously his goal on, the day, on his debut against Man City as well was a great strike. Mm. The player is in there. I just think the methods over Mourinho's time, I think, really started to grate on Stephen. And I think he needs to get back to the player that he was when he first joined. I remember seeing him, he was fearless, absolutely fearless. You know, he loved going forward. That player is still in there, but I think it's about getting that coach to bring it out of him again. And mm -hmm. he hasn't worked long enough with Nuno in order so we can see him develop as a player. Um, obviously, Nuno is seen as a more of a coach to obviously develop players, and we hope he can do that. But my, my worry for Bergwijn is because he has sustained quite a number of injuries. Every time we get him back, he, he then suffers another setback. And it's been a very stop-start career for him at Tottenham. Yeah. I don't know whether he's going to make it here. And that really upsets me because I think there's a player in there. But I just wonder whether at the end of this current season, if he, again, it's going to be a season where it's disrupted by injuries, whether, you know, an Ajax do come back in from, or dare I say, another Dutch club that just take him back home where he's used to playing. Um, let's most about it. It's more of a... Maybe I'm wrong in saying this, you might, you might correct me. I think it's more of a comfortable league than the Premier League. You know, it's not mm -hmm. as fast-paced. It's not as, um, what's the right word I'm looking for? It, 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 you know, it's a, it's a lot more of a... More of a I see your point. Yeah, yeah. More, if, the Premier League is 100 miles per hour. I feel for Steve, yeah. I think it's really difficult for him. And you're playing in Europe too. If you're playing for Ajax PSV, you can have that league game, maybe get brought off after an hour once you tune up, three nil up. Exactly. And then you're playing in Europe at the midweek and you can give even more effort then because yeah. you've got it saved. Yeah, it's absolutely your point, totally. I mean, I can see he's a good player. He, he's a very good player. But at the moment, um, we just haven't quite seen the best of him. Mm. And it just you think, because he's been with Spurs now for at least a couple of seasons, you just do wonder, will he ever get back to that first player we saw where he just looked really exciting? Fearless is the word I would use to describe him because he was when he first came on the scene. Great goal against Man City on the opening day. Great for Man United in that project restart. I really hope he can still become a good player at Spurs because um, the potential is there. Brilliant. Uh, yeah, we need it as well for the Netherlands um, 11. He's someone who can take a position that's really up for grabs. The left and right wings are really open for debate who should play there. And he's not taking that chance at the moment at Spurs, but I think he views it as an opportunity to, to play in England still, earn good money and become a great player the other side of it too. Um, I want to get into the tests. They are known to play a 5-3-2. They're known to be really hard to break down. They've been very attritional to watch this season. Not what you would associate with a Dutch team. They don't play 4-3-3. They don't really have wingers. They like to have strikers. They're, the wing-backs are a big part of their play. And they have Richard de Bazur as their main player playing at centre-back. People that listen to the Football Daily podcast are, are well aware of what the test may be able to offer. Uh, and and they're, not, they're not a free-scoring side either. They've scored like nine goals in nine games and yet they sit sixth in the league. <laughs> It's a different side against what we saw last season. What kind? What what would scare Spurs? What would put them off? I think coming to Arnhem, it is a tricky game for Tottenham, especially if they're not going to play their first eleven. But what would concern you? You looking sound, you know, hearing that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's a bit like playing a sort of Championship side, if it's a way of likening it. Yeah, it's, it's a weird one. That I mean, what would scare Spurs? I think was to be would be them on the front foot because I think Spurs at the moment right. in terms of. I think in terms of um, how they've coped with games so far, I mean, we've gone behind over the last couple of games. One, obviously, Aston Villa before the international break and obviously the one mm. subsequently yesterday. We did come back to win the game, but um, 
there's always this fear for me in this Tottenham side that if they do go a couple of goals down, then I don't have the mentality there to come back, although they have shown it recently. I think a fast start Spurs really struggle with, and we've seen that over the last couple of, couple of games. You know, um, they conceded we're not a couple of minutes against Newcastle. <laughs> so Spurs are shown to be susceptible from a start of games. So I think if the test were to come out flying and it is against a second string Tottenham side, I would think Spurs may find it very hard to get back into the game. And I think also from Spurs' perspective, you know, when you're playing that alternative 11, that really they know they're not really first choice and they're almost being given the game time, how motivated are those 11 players to really, really, you know, want to turn that result on its head? How motivated are they to play for the shirt? Um, I'm talking about players like Harry Winks, Matt Doherty, that probably know their futures aren't with the club. And therefore you're asking to put a performance in where really, Maybe their heart isn't maybe truly in it. I'm not saying they're not, you know, committed players, but naturally, it's a travelling, not... isn't it? Because if this was yeah. a white, a white lane, I think like that game, it's it's a it's a different it's a different completely game. Agree. I think yeah. in a couple of weeks. I, I completely agree, especially when you're being kind of carted off to um, Holland and you know you're not really in the first team. You're almost being played yeah. just to give you minutes. That's why I think the test is a great opportunity to get a result. And I look at Tottenham in general at the moment, and although they've got a couple of wins. I think, as I've said before, you know, I think the jury is out at the moment in terms of the manager. I think there's a lot of people that just at the moment just aren't quite seeing the direction, the philosophy in terms of what Tottenham are trying to do. Yes, it's early days. You know, we talk about a guy that's been in the job for what less than three, four months. So um, it will take time eventually. But as you know, Michael, in the world of football, you don't really get too much time. And um, I think as fans, you know, everyone wants success now. Patience is always one of those things that's very hard to. To withstand. So um, to, to answer your question, I think Vitesse, if they come at Spurs flying and it's, a, you know, as we understand it to be Spurs, are not going to be able to field their first eleven because they've got a massive game against the weekend against uh, West Ham, which is huge for the football club. Yeah. Um, I really think Vitesse have got a good opportunity to get a result here. That is very exciting for Dutch football fans listening. <laughs> I think that this this is the opportunity. They need to take this, having mm. lost at home to, 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 to Hen already, yep. that Tottenham has to be the one that they try and leapfrog in this group. But that pressure in itself, when when it's two weeks time back in London, and Tottenham they, they'll need to go and win that game. I think that's where the test is going to come and stuck. But they need to get at least a draw out of this to have any any sort of yeah. chance. Yeah, and they they're desperate to get through. Um, Thomas Lech ha- has brought European football back to the club. They had it a few years ago, but this is this is like their real good go at it because of the team they've got now. It's mainly the same one as last season. They've got some good players in there who. Are at Eredivisie level aren't perhaps top three quality, but can can compete between fourth and sixth in the league. Um, some players who are finding their feet at this level too, uh, but and, and and players such as Maximilian Vitek, who's their German left wing back, someone who's really stepped it up again. So I might interest an English side going forwards because of the way he plays. Yeah, the wing back is going to be really important in this game, and I think them getting balls into the box. Will be there with their with their first intent. They like winning free kicks. They love going down for a free kick for Tet. We watch out for that when you when you play them in both the games. But I I personally see the game in London being very different, and I think Tottenham will find it very straightforward to win that because if it's the same if Tesco a goal down, then it becomes very tricky. But in Arnhem, there's a sellout crowd, and that hasn't happened in a while. The, the stadium's far too big for the club, basically. Yeah. Um, they're a medium-sized club and not not one of the dark horse clubs that you know they're actually doing quite well for the yeah the size of the club they are. Um, but I, I don't I don't I don't think they've got too much to be necessarily afraid of. Like the the, the defense is a back five. They can marshal the players that are there. It's not going to be Harry Kane, for example. They should be okay. Yeah. Taking chances at the end is what I do worry about. 
because they haven't scored too many goals this season. Yeah, I just you know it's hard because I mean I'm saying Spurs are going through a week and eleven. Listen, in the last couple of games that we've had in the Europa Conference League, you know the likes of Kane has played. I think Son's featured. We've seen um, Brian Hill feature as well for Spurs. Lucas Moura. Yeah. So to be fair, whilst I sit and say it's an alternative eleven, you know I'm certainly not saying there's any bad. You know there's, there's plenty of good players as well mixed in there. Um, I think Nuno part of him will want to get the job done in terms of getting Spurs qualified, but again because it's a massive game at the weekend against West Ham. I think naturally he knows the Premier League is the priority. And, you know, that's what he's judged upon with Spurs fans. I think, all being honest with you, Michael, at the end of the season, if they've got out in the Europa Conference League in, in the semi-finals, but got into the top four, no one's going to really bat an eyelid. If no, we're being no, honest no. With you. It's all about, you know, the Premier League, the bread and butter. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think just looking at the game in general, I think I see it being a draw, personally. I, I just think it's Do you? Yeah, I was going to ask you what your predictions are. Yeah, but not just this game, but the one in two weeks, too. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd probably say, I mean, I think this one coming up here, I'd probably, um, I'd probably give it a two-all. I mean, we may, we maybe will collaborate again ahead of the next preview that we do for that game together. Um, again, look at that one at the moment. <laughs> I'd probably say Spurs, like you said, they might they might find it a bit more easier at home. You know, at home, the home advantage, they'd probably get a 2 nil or, or maybe a 3-1 there. But I think um, this game on Thursday, I see it being a, a score draw, a, a two-all, which to be fair for Tottenham, wouldn't be the worst result in the world. I mean, it's away from home. It's against a team I don't know too well. Again, there's probably a fringe 11 there. But ultimately, you know, I think as fans, we want to see the job getting done. But I mean, the test, like you said there, although they've not been free scoring, um, they certainly have the most, haven't had the most horrendous start to a season. So I think you'll find it tough up there with that crowd as well. It will be quite intimidating for the players, especially when it's not their typical 11 that we put out on a Saturday. Well, yeah, just to finish, I mean, Vitesse have had a, a, a tricky start to the season. They've had really poor games at home. But when it comes to Europe, they've really stepped it up this season, yeah. being underlet. Um, they give Ren a really good game, but they're just they're a quality team. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, Ricky, thank you very much for joining me um, yeah. on Football Dania. There's now going to be part two of the podcast talking about the Ajax game. But thank you, Ricky, for joining me. Um, and if you have any Spurs fans watching, I hope they do give us a like. And if they don't know last word on Spurs, they go and check you out. Yeah, by all means, yeah. And I say thanks so much, Michael. I'm sure like, we'll, uh, we'll touch base again in a couple of weeks' time where um, hopefully I'm smiling and um, you're not as such. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. My pleasure, no problem. And as for part two of our podcast today, previewing the European Games coming up this week, I've got Scott. He's normally from the Homeboys podcast talking about Celtic. You might recognise him from our podcast a little while ago when it was RZL against Celtic. Of course, it's now Ajax against Borussia Dortmund. And Scott, I believe Dortmund are your, your second team. It would be indeed. Yeah, fair love. It's interesting. By the way, thanks for having us on for a start. And hello to your, your, your followers. Um, it's interesting. I, I, I think I've convinced myself that I fell in love with Dortmund when I was about eight. Because that was actually the first game I can remember going to. In 1987 was uh, Celtic versus Borussia Dortmund at Celtic Park. And Celtic 1-2-1. And I've convinced myself that was the start of the love affair. I've always liked them. Um, I've got to admit, since the Bundesliga come off his sky, uh, is now on Sky, it's a bit hard that they, to catch because they don't really show... Like um, BT Sports used to replay extended highlights, say for like a 90 minute match, they'd, they'd put it on for like a 45 minute match, every game at night, so like if I'm at a Celtic game, at least I can record that, I can go and watch it and get a good, but this year, I've, I've been a lot of the games I've been stuck to highlights but I still know the gist mate and I, hopefully I can help you out <laughs>
<laughs> I'm sure you can. Like you know a lot more about Dortmund than I do. Although I was just saying to you off air that I actually recognise a lot, quite a lot of these yeah. players, which is good because you know Dortmund. I should know the players, and Ajax know that they're in for a big, big challenge. They've they've done all right so far in this Champions League route. Two wins out of two, and you're looking at these two teams probably being the top two in this group. So that means we're obviously set for two really good matches between mm-hmm. the two teams. Really looking forward to that. Uh, first one's at home for Ajax, and they they go into it with almost a full bill of health. Um, they rested a couple of players for a couple of players off at the weekend, a bit hell and vain 2-0. Um, so they're, they're looking forward to this challenge now. And, I, and, I, and I'm, I'm looking at Dortmund and the Netherlands recently played uh, Norway uh, back in September and, and Haaland or Haaland, however you want to say his name. Um, yeah, ha- Haaland played, played a right in that game and he was a threat to the, to the Netherlands back four. And we can just see the same happening against Ajax. If Ajax got a lot of the ball, the counter-attack is going to be a big problem, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to touch on your original point that you said you recognised a lot of the players, I, I think that's interesting because this season, in my opinion, and um, I don't know, like my, even my Bruce Dortmund friends would agree with me, but I think this is make a break season for the team. Um, you've got guys coming to the end of their career, guys, guys who have been important players in the past, be it for... Like guys like Hummels and stuff like and Akanji's really grown into himself. Akanji looks like a, the superstar we, we hoped he would. But when you've got a talent like Haaland up front and the the consensus seems to be this will be his final season. I mean, I, I, I would really hope he would stay for another season. But the team the team is ready to win more than what they've done. And are you, it's interesting because, again, my Borussia Dortmund friends they almost dismiss Europe. Not 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 so much in a in a kind of Celtic way where if you get into the group stages, good, you've done brilliant. You know what I mean? No, I think I think if they get to the quarterfinals, they get to a semi-final, they're seeing it as that's really where we can get to. However, with the team they've got, I mean, Marco Royce made a, a huge decision. Um after coming through a tough season for the club last year, he made the decision not to go to the Euros. Oh, playing the Euros, I say go to because it was in Germany half of the games. But um, he made the decision not to go. And I think, looking at him just now, it's worked an absolute treat. He looks like, he looks like the superstar that we all know that Marco uh, Royce is. Um, but back to your point about Haaland. Haaland is a sensational player. An absolute sensational player. And it's interesting because, because he's so good, you sometimes wonder... Is he going to get better? And his whole all-round game is changing and getting better. He's scoring headers. His work rate is, is phenomenal. His pace, his touch. I mean, ultimately, he's heading for the stars. But if he plays against anybody, Bruce Dortmund's got a chance. And I, and I certainly include this game uh, this week. Yeah, and there's two other players that are kind of new into this team this season. Jude Bellingham was there before, but he's got a big, big role in the midfield now. Is he as big as people make him out to be? You yes. know, this is an English-language yep. podcast. We've got a lot of people watching from around the world, but mm-hmm. we have got a lot of British-American viewers who might be interested in Bellingham. What, what's he like as a midfielder? What kind of problems could he present to Ajax? I'm, I'm telling you, mate, right? So, do you know what I think... That he he reminds me because he's another guy last season. So w- when Bruce Dortmund paid the big bucks for Jude Bellingham from Birmingham last summer, not that summer past last summer, 
I, I went on to Twitter and I, and I, I, I sent a couple of just random questions to like people, not people I follow, just like English football fans. And I asked, I said, what is the script? Is this guy the real deal? And there was a Man United fan said, I've only seen the boy once and this boy is stunning. And now last season, I remember watching him and he was very good last season. But he's another guy who's improving every week. And I'll tell you what he reminds me, and it'd be interesting to get your opinion after watching the games. He reminds me of a classic Dutch midfielder. Rather than an English... It's funny you say that, because in the Ajax midfield, they've got Ryan Havenberg, who's mm -hmm. a teenager himself. Yeah. And maybe maybe them, them two will be really, really fascinating to watch in midfield yeah, because I of their different so. styles, he's... but also being quite similar. Yeah, yeah. He's, it, it reminds me of that... Do you remember the 90s that the, um, the Dutch... They, they maybe didn't look, they, they weren't your typical, they weren't beating five guys, and, and so, but everything they'd done was tidy. Like, see Clan Seedorf, right? We all, everybody appreciates Clan Seedorf, but what made Clan Seedorf so fantastic was he never wasted the ball, ever, yeah. never wasted the ball, and that's what we've got here. Maybe his defensive work could be better, however, at what, 19 year old, 18, whatever age, um, Belly has now, he's scoring goals. He's making assists. He's never hurried on the ball. He's one of these guys, I always think you can judge a player by if he looks like he's got so much time. Like, so you go back to your Iniestas and stuff like that, the top quality and Zidane. The, the, the first touch almost gave them so much time and Bellingham is looking like that mould. And, and, and I honestly, I'm not just saying that because it was something I just think he reminds me of a good, really good centre uh, Dutch midfielder rather than your typical English guy, if, if yeah. there is a typical English guy. But uh, no, no, he's a real deal. He's a real deal and he'll go for mega bucks. And, and the other person that I was referring to then as well, Daniel Marlon. You've right. seen him more this season. I've seen him a lot more in the past. I watched for years for PSV in the Netherlands. But since going to Germany, I haven't heard too much. Like, I haven't seen much on Twitter. People going, oh, Marlon's doing great since he's gone to Germany and he's scored all these goals. And he's playing on the left now. When he appears yeah. to he was more of a striker. But yeah, he has been known to play on the left. Well, well, well it, it was interesting when he was signed up. So, so it was it, when Marco Rosa left uh, Gladbach and joined in the summer. It was it was a, a topic of debate, certainly within myself and my my Bay for Bay group, that maybe the team were going to go to a, a more four four two type of thing, or maybe two men up front, three five two or something. And would Marlon be the second guy? And obviously you had the young young striker Makoko floating about the team, but he's injured just now. So the team has actually kind of reverted back. There's been occasions this season where the two men have played and Marlon's played off of Haaland and stuff. I think it's actually a good thing. I agree with you. He's not he's not really hit the ground to what I expected him to. However, when you've got such a big character like Haaland beside you. I don't know. It's almost good because it's allowing him to settle in. Obviously, Haaland missed a couple of games and Marlon stepped in and he scored the winner against Sporting Lisbon. Eh? Uh, Sporting Club de Portugal. Sorry, eh? my, my friend gives me into trouble for I'm calling. the same with that as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, he scored the winner. And I, I was delighted for him because he's made an impact. He's, he, he's, helped, he's helped the team. Because Champions League-wise, Bruce Dortmund, haven't been great? Haven't been great? The form in the league is a lot better, but they've, they've looked 
a bit more compact in the Champions League. Um, this game, this game of the week, this week is going to be mega interesting. I, I expect a good game because just to, so sorry, finish your point about Marlon. He's not hit the ground running. There's no doubt about that. He's he's been in and out of the team, but this year more than certainly last year and the season before. Bruce, Marco Rose seems to be getting more out of the, the side players. So obviously you've got Haaland as a superstar. We've talked with Bellingham. I, I, I touched on Mar, uh, Marco Rose. But you're getting guys like uh, Wolf has come into the team. Obviously, um, Schultz has come in. Schultz, I just didn't rate at all. He's coming in. He's adding to the game. You've also got guys like Brand, Julian Brand, who needed to step up, especially when um, Jaden Sancho left the club. You needed these guys to step up, and they have been stepping up, which has all almost meant that Marlon Hisney walked into the team, which I think long term will be good for him because he'll sell. He's it might be uh, the Netherlands to Germany, and it, it, it's but it's still a different country. It's still a different environment, and he's a young guy. So I, I, I think it's I think long term it'll be a, it'll be a really good move for him and the club. Like you say, he's not he's not really done massively well however he's not been bad he's, there, there, there's no indication you're not sitting there going oh this guy's hopeless you know mm. but I mean you can certainly see his qualities and I mean I was actually looking to touch on your expertise about him because what I am seeing just now he's another player in the team he works hard however he's he's, he's uh, what's the word he's, he's missed chances that he really should have scored but not to the point of Wow. So what kind of player is he? You say he's a, he's definitely not an out-and-out striker, is he? He's more like that all-round forward. Would he has be... played as an out-and-out striker, but mm -hmm. then that's because PSV had games where he'd need to be in the box all the time to take chances. He's You, you look at you look to him for his pace and his, his like, trickery on the ball. Like that, That's something that he's known for and he's got good anticipation, that kind of thing. You'd, I, I personally thought that by playing for a team such so as Dortmund, where they'd have games like the Champions League, where like like this one, where you'd be away from home, you'd need someone on the counter attack to work with Haaland, that he'd be the perfect weapon. And we'll see on Tuesday whether that is the case. Um, but but for me, I, I thought that playing in for PSV, where he'd have always games where he'd be need to be in the box and relied upon for goals, that he did really well in a situation that probably didn't suit his style of play. Mm -hmm. But we also want to see more from him from the, in the Netherlands shirt because of the same kind of thing where there were games away from home or against big, big opposition. His pace and him using the space is a key thing. He's very good at that and, and coming inside and then, yeah, lots of these kinds of things. And I haven't, I haven't, haven't seen too much of that for Aranya yet. And, but we'll see, we'll see with Dortmund. I, I, don't, I don't think when you're playing like a low block that a player like Marlon is the right player to have on the pitch. Yeah. But playing for PSV, you were always going to get a chance to score, so you didn't really see it then. Um, that, that's my expectation of him as a player. But mm -hmm. then when he came on for the Netherlands the other day, he scored a goal against Gibraltar. But I haven't, I haven't seen enough from him to make me think he should be a starter for the Netherlands. Yeah, and yeah. and that, that's for a team where, apart from Memphis Depay as a main striker, there are a lot of positions up for grabs on the left wing, the yeah. right wing and behind the striker. And he hasn't taken it. And he hasn't mm -hmm. persuaded Van Gaal to go with two up top. Either as an example mm -hmm. of what I mean, mm -hmm. yeah. But anyway, yeah, well, what do you think? You've also got to throw in the fact that, like I say, he's in a stronger league, which will only benefit yeah. well. I mean, I, no, absolutely no disrespect to Eredivisie because 
as a as a Scottish football fan, I can be flinging out insults. <laughs> um, but but he's he certainly came to a stronger league. The German league this season looks particularly good. I mean, you, you've got teams that have kind of come back like Wolfsburg under uh, Van Bommel, um, and and glad by a decent team and then you've got Leverkusen until today and Bayern Munich are obviously as strong as geez that was some some game today but um, no I, th- I think he'll come good I, th- I think the fact is he's came he, he was a big name signing especially after after Sancho leaving he was a big name signing but the rest of the team stood up around him to the point that there doesn't seem to be a lot of pressure on him you know what I mean, there's there's not the same pressure on him to perform straight away. So it's it's almost as if he's allowed to be settled in. I, I think he'll come good. I like the look of him. He's he's certainly got the right attitude for the team in terms of what. Yeah, you can't doubt his attitude at all. That's something he's really been impressed with at PSV too. What's your predictions for the game then, Scott? You got you got the home match. You got the away match. Both back to back. What do you see happening? Right, so I'll, I'll be honest and say I haven't seen a lot of Ajax. Um, well, they've been very good, to be fair. They just haven't been perfect. Like, the moment you think they're a side to be reckoned with, they're then throwing a really dodgy result, like losing at home to Utrecht and they lost mm-hmm. 1-0 at home and they didn't have enough to break them down. Mm-hmm. But this season, they have blown away teams that are far weaker yeah. than them. They haven't, like, I mean, lost their concentration. I, mean, I, 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 watched, I saw the highlights from the... The sporting match, obviously. Yeah, the Champions League, they've been brilliant. Yeah, because of Hala. Like, I, I really like Hala. Always like. A lot of him. Ajax fans don't. And I feel like I'm you know, one of the only people that, that actually thinks that he's about as good as Ajax can expect out of a striker playing in the Eredivisie. Mm-hmm. I think people need to remember that. And in yeah. the Champions League, you know, scoring four goals. Four goals, yeah. Give him a break. And, so, and then, I mean, so, so they've... It's going to be an interesting game because Borussia Dortmund, they're missing a few guys, but the big guys are back. I mean, we had the game against Gladbach where they missed Haaland and Royce and they struggled. And obviously, Reina's out as well. But Reina's, Reina's really no kicked on this season or, or the tail end of last season. I think he struggled with a lot of expectation last season. So, to, to answer your question, I think, I think Borussia Dortmund will win. Both, both, both legs. Yeah, and I, but I wouldn't be surprised if this one's a draw. But I right. expect to win the home game. However, that's more me coming from the Borussia Dortmund side rather than Ajax, because Borussia Dortmund like to have all the ball. It's it's a wee bit more counter attack than than it was under Lucien Favre, but they'd like to to press the ball. However, they definitely give up chances. They give up chances to every team. I mean, it's that I've said to you, Kanji's looking like a player, and Matt Hummels. Matt Hummels goes through the sublime, ridiculous week in, week out. He'll, he'll, he'll just look terrible, and then the next week, brilliant. And obviously, when you've got the two fullbacks who like to bomb on, the protection of the back is generally guys like Vitzel or Can, but it's a hard shift when the rest of the team's just all out of attack, you know what I mean? So, that's why I think this game is going to be really good. But I stress when you've got a talent like Haaland playing up top, I think that makes you favourites, personally. That's my opinion. Mm. When you get that, I mean, the, the, the boy is stunningly good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because of his goals, you, you can't quite tell. Like If Ajax play really well and he scores two goals, they could lose the game anyway. 
because you're going to see chances. Mm-hmm. I think I think that over the two legs, you are right. I think that it'll tip in Dortmund's favour. But Ajax didn't expect to win this group. Getting getting second is an amazing achievement. But I still think that they have the capability to get a result from one of the two games, whether that's a draw or possibly a win. And that, that shows you where they're at at the moment and also kind of where Dortmund are too. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're a very, very strong team, but Ajax are a very good team too. Mm-hmm. They have positions where people say that they need to improve. And I argue back saying that this is Ajax and from the Eredivisie, that they won't get many better options in certain positions. You've got Steven Berkhouse. People complain about him some weeks and he's probably one of the best right wingers that the Eredivisie's had for 10 years, 15 years. Well, that's people need to watch their expectations. That's interesting you're talking about him, right? Because he, I told you last time, if I had to pick a team in the Eredivisie, it would certainly be Fire Nerd. And um, I don't know, did you see it? Disney Plus had the Fire Nerd show? I'm really keen to watch it. I haven't got around so, to seeing it yet. What's the first Pirate, one? And who and uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> what's the first one? I've, I've only I've only seen a couple. And I watched the first one, and your man Berghaus is on it, talking about how much he loves the club, and and you're sitting going, and then he leaves. <laughs> uh, exactly. Is that Ajax of all teams? I mean, I understand it from his point, but still, I, I can too. Wild, wild, because he's he's a class act. He's a really good player. But to to the point about him, the Guerrero missing this game. Guerrero's injured. I'm not sure he got injured with um, the Portuguese national team. And he, he missed, he's missed the last couple of games. And he's a massive blow. Guerrero is an outstanding football player. He's a guy who's grown into himself. I touched on it earlier. I said to you that I think Bruce Dortmund need to, need to capitalise on the squad they've got this season. And he would be one that I include as well. He scores goals. He, he, he helps the defence so much. So him missing this game on the left side puts Nico Schultz in, who, who, like I said, has been better than what I expected, but he's definitely the weak link in that defence. And if you're talking about Berkhouse, he's going to, he's going to st- stand up for himself and kind of prove what he is. That I think that's where your your best bet. But Haller, Haller's proved it with Frankfurt. Obviously, he had a bit of a rough time with... Um, with West Ham, these things happen. He, I, I think Haller's the exact kind of player who, to give Bruce and Dortmund problems, personally. So, maybe a, a 3-2. <laughs> <laughs> even if we forget that. Scott, thanks for doing this anyway. And um, if, if people have enjoyed this as like a, a back-to-back different previews with different games, do, do give us a like, whether you're listening on SoundCloud or iTunes or on YouTube. And um, subscribe wherever you are. And there's lots more Dutch football content coming out soon. Thank you, Scott, for doing this. And maybe we'll get you on again. Celtic and Dortmund, the two teams. We'll always have you. Yes, mate. Well, thank you very much for having me. I've, I've enjoyed doing it and I hope I helped out. Cheers, Scott. And thanks, everyone, for listening.